Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Welcome to A View from the Bullens, in partnership with the Fitzrovia Bell London, our official away day pub for all Evertonians. And fanscapes.co.uk. Made by fans for fans. Here's Townsend. Going to go through the middle this time. Go on! Oh, that is outstanding! An absolute stunner from Andros Townsend. The cross was good for the first goal. The strike for the second is even better! Hello and welcome back to A View from the Bullins with me, Mick Kemp, Lee McLean, Jack Kemp and Ben Winstanley. Ben, Everton 3 Burnley won. An explosive six minutes in the second half sees Everton take all three points. What are your initial thoughts? First of all, Goodison under the lights. The old lady was absolutely rocking, when we, especially when we got that equaliser. It was magical. It was brilliant to be back. It was amazing to see all the videos that are coming out with children going the games and experiencing their first atmosphere at Goodison Park. It was just phenomenal. It was really, really special again but look I'm going to try and make this a pro podcast what aren't my thoughts because it was a great victory three points at the end of the day 10 points out of 12 is a, a really good start and hats off to the team and Rafael Benitez but I am going to look at pros and cons because that's what we're all here to do so let's get into it before the game um, we've seen a 3-4-3 formation by Rafa um, maybe even sometimes a 5-3-2 uh, I couldn't quite understand who was going to play where uh, I was quite surprised not to see a Wobi start and if we were going to play it, a 5-3-2. But the first 60 minutes, let's not beat around the bush here, absolutely stunk. It was horrendous. It was back to Carlo ball last year at home. It just wasn't pretty. No one had any ideas. 
Michael Keane was on on the edge again. He, Chris Wood was literally playing on his shoulder and it just wasn't good. The free at the back just wasn't working at all. And I think pretty much 98% of Goodison, minus the Burnley fans, could see that it just wasn't going to happen, that the formation wasn't working. We had no real width. Um, Lucas Dean wasn't really getting into the game. Seamus Coleman was trying. But when we got into the midfield, we kind of got overran. Ashley Barnes was dropping in and just preventing us from actually playing through the line. So it was really difficult. And I'm going to say now, if Ever- this Everton this season, if that's Everton last year going 1-0 behind, and we felt it in the crowd, everyone went, oh, here we go. Sean Dyche special inbound, 1-0. We're just not going to, we're not going to get this back at all. And I think the old Everton wouldn't, I think like feel like they wouldn't have fought back. It would have been back to the wall again. It would have been really depressing. The Goodison anger would have filled up very, very quickly. But no, we conceded. We got the job back in hand. The, the players rebuffed themselves. Andros Townsend puts a lovely ball into Michael Keane and we're 1-1. And then we're all looking over the touchline. So Benitez has stripped Andre Gomez. And I don't know about anyone else in this podcast or anybody else listening, but my initial thought was, why are we bringing on Andre Gomez? What 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 is going on here? Why why him? Why aren't we bringing Rondon on or Iwobi? Why Gomez? But to be fair to Benitez and hats off to him on that substitution changed the game. And what's so refreshing to see of Benitez is when something's not working, he will change it, and the whole. The whole crowd knew that something had to change, either a substitution or tactical formation change, and he did it. As soon as everyone started to go, come on, Rafa, he did it. He, he, he reacts. He doesn't kind of sit back and let's just see how it goes. If he's not happy with something, he changes it straight away. So it's a brilliant ball by Andros Townsend. What a header by Michael Keane, who I'm going to say now didn't have a, his best game. He, I thought Chris Wood bullied him all over the park. And another negative, which I'm going to say, is I think Lucas Dean's been a bit off this season. I feel like it, he didn't perform particularly well. And I'm just desperate to see a corner beat the first man because it's getting a bit silly now. We Going from last year, we were scoring from corners all the time. We haven't created one big chance from a corner yet, which is a bit frustrating. But there's the negatives out the way. The pros, the Corey, monster again. Andros Townsend, that second goal, oh my word. The roof came off. It was incredible. Everyone was going insane. And some of the videos today, people were saying, just hit it. Just have a go, lad. And bang, he had a go. It lifted the dip, the swerve. It's just top corner. Nick Pope's a big kid. Let's not get it. He's over six foot five. He's a big goalkeeper. And the dip on that ball, you could have put two of them in goal and he wouldn't have got anywhere near it. It was a phenomenal strike. And at this point, Goldison is absolutely rocking. It is incredible. We've switched to a 4-3-3 formation and Burnley don't know what day it is. They are, they are literally like a rabbit in headlights. So, and we get the third goal then. It's literally, it's just this six-minute moment of madness. It was just incredible to watch. And that ball from Decore to Damari Gray was outstanding. That That's the only words that I can think to describe. That ball was outstanding. It was millimetre perfect. And as soon as Damari Gray went through one-on-one, me and everyone around me who I spoke to have gone, goal. I just You just knew he was going to score, which was very weird for Everton being one-on-one because normally we'd normally miss them sorts of opportunities to actually put a game to bed. But when I saw Damari Gray through one-on-one, I thought, 
here we go, here's a goal, 3-1 wrapped up. And game management after that was brilliant, but hats off to Andre Gomez. Um, I have been a bit of a critic at times, but I thought that substitution really changed the game. We overloaded the midfield then, we, there was more options. And we could really start playing through the lines and exploring the whip, especially when Burnley had to come out and have a go at us. And the last five, ten minutes, brilliant game management. We just slowed the game right down. Goodison was cheering every single pass. And it just looked like a completely different side. That second half, probably the last half hour, looked like a completely different side. But we, there is still some negatives, obviously Michael Keane, even Lucas Dean corners. But look, overall... The past five years, we wouldn't have seen Everton come back from from a position like that. We really wouldn't have. So it was just so good to see the determination, the spirit and the fight this set of of lads have. And they're all backing one another. And hats off to Seamus Coleman, by the way. When Richarlison got into a bit of a tuffle, he was straight in the mix. And that's what we've wanted to see from him for years. Right in there. Leave my leave my player alone. I'm the captain. Speak to me. He was right in there, and Goodison was bouncing. It's what we want to see: bit of passion, determination, and effort. And the Goodison crowd will get behind you and get behind you. We did. It was sublime. That six minutes is. It was like a prime Barcelona in their prime back when Pep was the manager. It was just unbelievable to be a part of. So no, I'm over the moon. Brilliant start. Ten points out of twelve. Let's look ahead to Villa because it's going to be a really tough task. And I'd hate to say it, Mick, but you got the right score again. <laughs> I'm not going to brag just yet. Lee, Lee, I'm going to try and break this game down a little bit. We've got so many talking points and we've got so much to talk about. So I'm just going to start with the first half. So just touching on what Ben's just said, the formation, it was almost like a 5-3-2 when off the ball and then with the ball, it was a 3-4-3. Were you, were you happy with that to start a home game against Burnley? At Goodison, under the lights, you know, after an impressive start to the season. Were you happy going into that game with three centre-halves and then wing-backs? No, no, uh, I wasn't at the start. Just to echo what Ben said, I was a bit confused thinking, aye, aye, you know, what's, what's all this about? We've been looking brilliant with 4-4-2, just arguably produced one of the best performances for years against Brighton. Um, and then we, you know, all bit, I know Calvert-Lewin was out, but I just thought changing it and going three at the back, or three centre-backs, sorry, was negative and for the first hour you're thinking you, you know you're right you know if you'd have told me at half time that I was going to be walking away from that game last night feeling the way I did with my eldest daughter made up I'd have thought you were mad because it was it was dull as dishwater it was terrible like Ben said again it was Carlo Ancelotti last season all over um, but I think Benitez you, you, you have to take your hat off to him he's come out after the game and said you know don't look at it as black and white as the the fact that there's three centre-halves on the pitch, you've got to look at the tactics, not just the formation. So I suppose that's why he does what he does and gets paid the money he does and has got the reputation that he has because he's capable of doing it and he's proven now on, on, on a number of occasions and we're only five games into his tenure that he's able to change things in the middle of a game, you know, change the way a game's going, um, turn it in our favour by, by tweaking it in the middle of a, of a game, you know, whether that be individual positions, roles, whatever, it's it's working. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I was a little, a little bit fed up, to be honest. I'm building it up to my daughter saying this is going to be brilliant. Everton under the floodlights. Burnley aren't very good. We're playing brilliant. You know, it's going to be, you know, I think you're going to see a win. And, and I felt like a right numpty after 60 minutes because we were all sat there thinking, oh, my words. But, you know, it's like we've gone back in time six months 
But listen, credit to the, the team. I think they, they turned it round brilliantly. It could have been more than 3-1 in the end. You know, individual performances were absolutely spot. Alan and Decore in the middle are just machines at the minute. I think the the, the assist has already been um, touched upon by Ben. It was very similar to the Alan assist away at Brighton for Damari Gray again. Maybe something that they're working on in training. I don't know. Um, but it's it's all just got it's all going well. I think there's a massive unity and connection between the the fans and the players at the minute, and that's showing and that's helping. We've talked about that a lot in the past about what a, a united Goodison and and you know the connection between the fa- players and the fans how strong that um, that can be in terms of an advantage. So overall, we were disappointed at the start, yeah. Um, but Benitez has proven why he's in that position, and at the end of the day. We've walked away with three more points. It's now an exceptional start to the season, I would say. And we're all walking away from Goodison Park happy. And that that's what it's all about. Because one thing, again, it makes you appreciate last night. How many how many of those nights have, have we realistically got left at Goodison now? You've got to appreciate them for what they are. And, you know, if the rest of them in the next three, four years or whatever it is that we've got left before we move, you know, if they're half as good as that, you know, we're going to have a few more amazing memories to look back on. But an amazing night, amazing night to be a part of. The atmosphere was brilliant. And um, yeah, that's all we can push on now further. Bill, starting with Villa on Saturday. Jack, just sticking with the 5-3-2 slash 3-4-3 formation. For large parts, especially the first 60 minutes, it was quite drab. It was quite dull. And the atmosphere was turning. It was just starting to get a bit toxic. And when Bernie did take the lead, it did start to get a bit toxic fans showing their discontent, a lot of murmurs. Do you think Rafa has to take some of the blame for that? I know we've ultimately gone on to win the game, which is fantastic, and we will come to that. But do you think the first hour, do you think that is on Benitez and maybe we need to be a bit more adventurous at home? Yeah. um, I think, from what I saw, my point of view, I think he went with three at the back, the three centre-backs, because we all know what Burnley's game plan is. We all know what their strengths are. Tarkowski, me, Wood, Barnes, they're good in the air. They, they, you know, their game plan is set pieces. And from what we've seen uh, since the start of the season, Everton haven't defended set piece that well. I always go back to the, the League Cup game at Huddersfield where they looked at sixes and sevens every time the ball was coming into the box. So I don't know if he was trying to sort of negate Burnley's strengths. Um, the argument against that is should you adapt your style of football, you know, to sort of negate Burnley, no disrespect to Burnley, this isn't Man City, who you know you're probably only going to have 20% of the ball. But in saying that, yes, he probably does need to shoulder responsibility. He's the one who picks the team. But on the flip side, and I think this is a point that has gone a little bit sort of, you know, under the radar, Andre Gomez was was ready to come on at 1-0. The equaliser goes in. How many managers at that point there would turn around to Gomez and say, put your tracksuit top back on, sit down for 10, we'll see how it goes. Now we're back in the game. But he didn't. He still went through with the substitution, which I think was brave because Everton were now back in the game, you know, probably maybe wrestled the ascendancy off Burnley. Um, And I think the key thing to that substitution, substitution, I think Gomez played well when he came on but it gives the license for Decore to literally just go anywhere. And I, I'm not, I'm not the stat man here. I know, I know Ben is, but 
look at the stats from last season. Decore played 29 league games last season and got three assists. He's already got three assists in the first four games. And I think that is because Benitez has seen something in him. He doesn't want him as a holding midfielder. He, he's a box-to-box, but he can do a lot of damage in that final third with his sort of, you know, his range of, you know, his passing, but also because of his athleticism, he can get from box to box, no problem. So, yeah, Benitez, you've got to take the blame. It was defensive. Like the guys have said, it, it was rubbish the first hour. It was boring to watch. However, you know, he's got to take the praise when the substitutions have absolutely worked. And, you know, how many times have, you know, we've been to the football to watch Everton play? And I'm going back to David Moisier where you're in the stands and you're screaming for a substitution. Nothing happens, nothing happens. Everton concede and then the substitution happens. So I think it's great to have a proactive manager. Um, and I think last night he's he shown that he can adapt. And, you know, in that, that, that Gomez substitution was absolutely spot on. And I, and I can't remember if it was Ben or Lee who said it. When Gomez did come on, he wasn't the first person that I would have maybe have brought on. But, you know, that's why Benitez is where he is and that's where, why where I'm where I am. Um, but, yeah, really, really good sub. Um, but he's got to take the praise, definitely, for, for turning the game around. Ben, we're going to get to the nitty-gritty now. I know you've already spoke about Michael Keane uh, over social media over the last 24 hours. His name has came up a hell of a lot. So we're going to talk about Michael Keane now. What were your feelings on his performance I know he was up against two big physical strikers in in Chris Wood and Ashley Barnes. He hasn't particularly started the season well. Do you think that was another reason why Rafa Benitez may have thought, you know what, we'll go with three centre-halves? Like Jack's just said there, we have been a bit shaky defensively, especially from set pieces. So do you think it's almost, you know, three's better than two at the moment due to the form of certain players? Um, It's a difficult one. It really is a difficult one. Look, we all know Michael Keane is a massive, massive confidence player. I think he's, he's, he goes through jibs and jabs of being arguably one of our best centre-halves to then arguably one of our worst. And It's really difficult to obviously explain because when he scored again last night, I still feel like he, he was making silly mistakes. And when the ball was going up to him, he, he was letting it bounce. And there was sometimes Goodison... Literally, you can hear everyone go, hold the breath when he's about to like make a pass across the box to Pickford or anything because he's just so unpredictable. Now, the interesting one for me was, Mick, is obviously Jack's touched and quite rightly with the Gomez show, but it's an excellent point that he made in regards to obviously carrying on with that substitution. I think potentially that Keane was the man that was about to come off and we were going to potentially leave Godfrey on. Um, and then obviously, that was the one I was calling for anyway. Now, Godfrey goes off and obviously Gomez comes on. Um, maybe Rafa's thinking he's luck, he's got a goal now because he's, he's Rafa Benitez likes to be on top of every single player. He's a man management, a man manager, and he's very good at it, apparently. Speaking to some of my Newcastle friends over the weekend, just gone. And he loves like getting his players one-to-one and telling them how they can improve, how they can do X, Y, and Z. So I'm wondering that he, he might have known that Keane might need a bit of confidence. He's got that goal and he's thought, do you know what? I'm going to leave him on. Ben Godfrey off. Gomez on just to assure up that midfield. And it was brilliant from then. So what do you do? 
for me, we spoke about on the last podcast. I don't. I would still like to see four at the back with Mina and Godfrey as the centre half partnerships. Looking back, you can see why he potentially did leave him on. Chris Wood and Ashley Barnes, like you said, very physical pair, and I felt like the pair of them were tirelessly all night last night, and they caused real issues. Chris Wood always seems to look very good against us, very efficient. And off topic, by the way, Dwight McNeil, I thought was Burnley's best player by far. He just glides through the game and just acted like nothing was happening. He played really, really well. And within the first 10 minutes, I think it was, Dwight McNeil's put a ball in from the left and Chris Wood's got the wrong side on Michael Keane again. And I feel like that could have been very, very costly. I feel like looking back that he probably should have scored, to be honest. I feel like he probably didn't realise he could get into that position and found it dead easy that he actually took his eye off the ball and missed the header with Pickford that had come out and he had also committed as well. So it was literally going to be a tap-in open goal. So yeah, where do we go? Clearly the five at the back, no one wants to see it. We, we're not we're not like a Chelsea where we've got the midfield of like your, your Kante, your Jorginho, your Mount, people like that who can play this 5-3-2 and get on the attack very quick. We just can't do it. We just haven't got the the, the ability. But and when we play four at the back and we have three or four in the middle, I feel like that suits us to the ground. Very physical passive straight up on the attack on the counter-attack in football because it just wasn't working with wing-backs last night Lucas Dean and Coleman were not getting forward so Burnley were just sitting deep and just holding off on our midfielders sat in the middle of the park with the two in the middle we were just getting overrun and Ashley Barnes was playing very cleverly dropping in so yeah it, Michael Keane Mick, it's, it's a difficult one and made up he scored and it was a crucial goal it was a really really good header very good header at an important time of the game but he needs to switch on. He really needs to switch on because he was very poor last night again. Um, obviously, Chris Wood and Barnes are the fastest strikers in the Premier League and they made Michael Keane look slow again. So hopefully this goal, bit of confidence gets behind him and he kicks on from here. Um, if he starts against Villa, we'll get behind him. But it's going to be a bit differently with Villa's attack. They've got pace all over the show. Buendia pulling the strings. He was going to try and pull Michael Keane out of position. So it's going to be a really difficult game on Saturday. So it's going to be very interesting how Rafa sets up. So, like I say, I really hold my hands up now. I don't know the answer for Michael Keane going forward. Lee, we're going to move away from Michael Keane. It's, you know, a lot's been spoken about over the summer. Obviously, we haven't spent a lot of money, but two players that are standing out for Everton right now are the two new recruits, Damari Gray, Andros Townsend, one playing on the right wing, one playing on the left wing. How brilliant is it to see Everton have two wingers who work very hard, they're very quick, they're both direct? I mean, listen, the pair of them couldn't have asked for a better start and I don't think we can underestimate that, the power of a good start. You know, you've seen players in the past who have maybe struggled to adapt for whatever reason at Everton and it never really happens for them. With these two, it's the polar opposite. They've hit the ground running. They know they've got the backing of the support. And you just imagine what they're feeling walking onto the pitch, whether that be a Goodison or away from home. They're going to be feeling 10 feet tall. And if Andros Townsend keep, keeps knocking goals like last night in, you know, he, he's going to be hard to displace. And I know there was a few murmurings of discontent last night around Hammers not being in the squad and 
where is he going to fit in? You know, it's a massive debate at the minute that's dividing Evertonians a little bit. But you can see the argument for leaving him out. And I'm a massive Hammers fan. I'm someone who, as you know, has been banging the drum to bring him back in, reintegrate him. You know, some of, someone of his class, surely there's a role for him. And I do still think that. But as it stands now, these two lads are doing so well from the start. And they work rate covering the fullbacks. The, the goals return for the pair of them. Uh, you know, the the fact is Everton have scored 10 goals in our opening four games. You know, compare that to last season. How many nils did we have at home? You know, the the the, the contributing to that feeling that if we do go a goal down, you're not getting that horrible sinking feeling that we got last year where you go, oh no, well, it's game over. Because that's that's what we were all coming on here and commenting last year. As soon as we went a goal down, it was, that's it. We might as well blow the full-time whistle now because we're never getting back into it. Now, with these two and this group of players collectively, it's not just these two. You always feel like there's a threat. And, you know, it's a never-say-die attitude. When We don't look... I put a tweet out this morning. We don't look beaten. And an Everton side that works hard, that is on the front foot, that's willing to take some risks and play forward passes, not to take too many touches and never-say-die until the final whistle. That is the Everton that the Everton fans will get behind and relate to and support. And that's what that's what we're seeing. Damari Gray, I mean, listen, everything he, that lad touches at the minute is turning to gold. It's just brilliant. Like Ben said before, as soon as he went through on goal yesterday, you had no doubt. The whole ground just held its breath, but you knew what was coming. But, you know, he, he was going to slot that. Even, even where he positioned it in the goal, you could see what he was going to do. And he executed it absolutely brilliantly. So, listen, let's just hope. It's, we're, we're four games in. I don't think we are getting unnecessarily carried away. I think everyone knows what we are. I think we, we do have limitations still. We probably will hit a dodgy patch because most teams do in the season. But let it. We, why not enjoy it? You know, we're we're, we're doing well. We're, we're winning the games that we should be winning at last. You know, we we've longed for this feeling for for a long time, and these two lads have contributed to it massively. Alongside, I may add, Alan and Decore, who just look like different players this season they just look like they've had an injection of well fitness I think is is huge um, we just look a fitter team and those two in particular look leaner meaner able to get up and down the pitch the assists assists that we've seen sort of put pay to any myths that they're just stoppers or runners or just an engine they've got quality on the ball as well so the whole dynamic working well at the minute and uh, long may it continue because if, if it does, we'll we'll get more and more results as the season goes on. Jack, just sticking with Damari Gray, Damari Gray, especially, how impressed were you with him last night? I know it was probably the first time Damari Gray's played for Everton where a team have come to Goodison or we've come up against a team that are happy to say, no, you have the ball. So it is very difficult for the likes of Gray to then get in behind. You know, he would obviously prefer a more open game or us playing on the counter attack. So, how impressed were you with Damari Gray that he can still have that impact for Everton? Yeah, yeah, very impressed. He, he started off terrifically well. Um, you know, three goals in, in three games in a row. I, I, do, I do think, and I thought this before last night, I do think Damari Gray will be better suited to away from home when Everton can play on the counter because, you know, his... Not you know his main attribute is his pace, isn't it? And for anyone that's played football, any defender is petrified of pace, absolutely petrified of it. 
Um, I think what helped Damari Gray was when Everton got the equaliser, the game became very stretched all of a sudden. Um, Everton were moving the ball quicker. Burnley had lost their shape. And that's when Damari Gray um, can obviously use the pace and exploit weaknesses in the opposition. Um, and, and, and like Ben said, the Decore pass for it is, is absolutely phenomenal. It's, an, it's a ridiculous pass. It's amazing. You know, if Kevin De Bruyne passes that, makes that pass, you know, it, we're all speaking about it for days and days and days. It's that good. But if you look back at that goal, there's a huge, huge amount of space in the Burnley defence. That's because they're stretched. And that is when Damari Gray is at his most deadly and he's ruthless. And like the guys have said, when he went through one-on-one, um, I didn't doubt for one minute he wasn't going to score. And, you know, sometimes one-on-ones are not as easy as you think because the players have a lot of time to think about what they're going to do with it. And the goalkeeper can get out to you, narrow the angle. Um but it was very comfortable, very confident. Um, and yeah, I think, you know, you, you look at Aston Villa at the weekend, um, he'll be pivotal to the way Everton will play because I would imagine that Everton will go there. Uh, Villa will probably have more of the ball, but then when Everton can turn over the ball, and I think what's help, ha- ha- helping with Everton is Decore and Allen especially. I feel like they're playing 10 yards, 15 yards further forward. And they're winning the ball in better areas. You know, when you win the ball on your own box, it's very difficult then to turn that into a goal. But if you're pinching the ball on the halfway line, you're getting at the opposition back forward much quicker. And I think that's what Everton are doing, which again is benefiting Damari Gray because there's spaces, there's gaps that he allows him to exploit. Um, but yeah, you couldn't ask for any more, could you? But, but I just wanted to touch on Andros Townsend and the Hammers debate that um, Lee just said. I, I don't think there's any doubt in Hamed's quality and everyone knows ability-wise he's the best player at the football club. But Andros Townsend, he just epitomises, doesn't he, I think what Everton fans want to see. You know, you listen to him in, in pre-match, post-match, he speaks so well. You know, I, I can't imagine anyone who dislikes Andros Townsend. And look, we all know he's going to lose a bit of form at some point. But I'll tell you what you will get. You'll get absolutely 100%. He, he will he'll work. He will graft. He will track his runners. And Seamus Coleman must love having him in front of him because he just knows what he's going to get. Um, so for me, Andros Townsend, you know, he stays in that 11. He's deserved that the right there. And again, I think we miss the third goal. If you look at the third goal, he plays a vital role in that. He brings it down. He lifts it over the defender which sets Decore going up the right-hand side of the pitch, who then obviously releases Damari Gray. So he had a hand in all three goals last night, Townsend. But going back to Damari Gray, couldn't ask for any more so far. Ben, moving on to, to Andros Townsend. Judging what Jack's just said, he's very, very impressed. And Lee, they're both impressed with Townsend. What are your initial thoughts on Townsend four league games in? He's, he's probably exceeded expectations, I imagine. He's keeping James Rodriguez out of the out of the team and even out of the squad. I know before the game you were hoping Alex Wobey might get a start, but he didn't and Andros Townsend did. How impressed are you with Andros Townsend? And obviously he scores an absolute wonder goal as well. Yeah, I think a lot of people were saying, why, why on earth are we signing a Crystal Palace reject? I, I don't understand it. 
But look, we did a, a quick chat about it, Mick, and we obviously talked about him, him as a person. He's been through a lot, as we discussed on previous podcasts. And he's a down-to-earth, genuine, nice bloke. I feel like he comes across like that. He's already been in and around the city centre, playing football with the kids and doing a bit of charity work, which is what us Evertonians absolutely love. He's a nice guy. And he's somebody that a lot of professionals say they want around the football club. Apparently, he's one of the fittest at the clubs. He's always first to training, leaves last to training. He's a hard, hard worker. And his best spell before this with Everton um, and Palace and all his previous teams is when he went to Newcastle when Benitez was there. Benitez knows him very, very well and can trust him to work, work his socks off. You just have to look back to Brighton away when in the 89th minute he's running 50, 60 yards to make a, a to stop a cross coming in and the Everton fans celebrated like a goal and he was doing that all night last night. I think the first half, I'm going to say, he was pretty poor, but I feel like the formation wasn't wasn't very wasn't very appealing to him. He couldn't really get the space. The fullbacks didn't know whether to go or to sit, so he kind of found himself with no space at all. And that was kind of the script that went to on the first 16 minutes. We couldn't string a few passes together. And that was probably majority down to the formation. The players just weren't comfortable. But you've seen it for, for years of Andros Towns when he's obviously been in around the England squad, Tottenham, Newcastle, Palace. He's got one hell of a left foot. And that cross was, that, that was deliberate. He was looking for Michael Keane. And it was a superb quick step over bang straight into the box and I was shouting to people around me give us a give us a towns and let's get some balls into the box because he's not absolutely lightning he's not Damari Gray quick he's, he's got a bit about him but his game is getting to feet a bit of skill and bang you whip that ball in and he always puts a brilliant ball in which we've seen for the first goal and then if you go on YouTube now, Blues, and type in Andros Sounds and goals, you think he scores goals like that every single time he plays football because some of the goals he scored have been phenomenal. And that was well up there last night because when he hit that ball, I think everyone knew it's in. There's no way he's getting anywhere near it. It, it went so high and dipped so fast. And if somebody, I think Jack said before, if someone like De Bruyne or Ronaldo or somebody like that hits a goal like that, then it's going to be played on Sky Sports News, Premier League years, 20, <laughs> 21, 22. So it was a magical goal, magical moment. And what was so nice about it as well, and this is epitomising as a man, straight over to where his family was sitting, um, his wife and his kids pointing at them, saying like, that one's for you, because the story broke that his wife was saying to him, it's going to come good for you. I've got a good feeling about this club put you all in and look what happened last night he was, shoot, he, he was great and that's what he's always capable of, capable of he's always capable of assists and he's capable of moments like that where he scored and five ten minutes later I don't know how Nick Pope saved the second one because it went like an absolute rocket again and I, I thought well I was, I was like oh my god he's cracked the post but looking back at the, the highlights it was sailing in and Nick Pope's made a, a great double-handed save and it's just another option that we've got going forward when have we ever sat back and gone we have got wingers that can score because I I can't remember Morales and Pienaar potentially the last few that used to chip in with goals I, I can't really think of many more but we've now got two wingers who have got different attributes about them Damari Gray's lightning quick can finish his dinner whenever he wants and Andros Townsend can whip a ball in and shoot from long range which 
how many times over the past few seasons we've gone, well, just someone hit, have a go, test the keeper. And now I think Andros Townsend's going to back himself to have a go. So if he's ever in that position again, I don't think the Everton faithful are going to have any objections from just to unleash his, uh, his left foot again. Um, because, look, he's more than capable of it. And that's got to be up there for goal this season, that because he's miles out. I've rewatched it about 6,000 times from all the different angles, and it gets better and better every time. So enjoy that one, Blues, this week. And uh, I just think we've got a great man, Nick. He's a great person, great professional, and it's going to be a really savvy signing going forward. Mm. Lee, there was obviously no Dominic Calvert Lewin. It looks like he's out for a couple of weeks. What were your thoughts on Richarlison's performance? He played up front on his own for large parts of the game and he seemed to go off when he got substituted for Solomon Rondon. He seemed to go off in a little bit of a huff in typical Richarlison fashion. So mm-hmm. what were your thoughts on, on his performance, maybe his attitude? There has been a few murmurs after the game that he got off quite quickly in a little bit of a, of a, of a huff, shall we say. Maybe a little bit frustrated. I'm not sure. What are your thoughts on Richarlison at the moment? He doesn't like it when he doesn't score. I think it's as simple as that with Richarlison and that's what came across to me last night when he went, because I think I, I, I spotted it like everyone else did. He was devastated coming off and whether it was because we were looking very likely to score at, you know, with every attack at that point, I thought there was a goal in there for him and I said it to the, to the fellas who sit in front of me. I said he's gutted there because there was goals in that for him in the last 20 minutes. And I think, it had, well, I say 20 minutes, I'm not sure. I can't remember exactly what time he got hooked. But I think there was a goal in there for him. And I think he knew that. And I think that's why he's gone off with a huff. Because it, although he works hard and, and you, you can't say he isn't a team player, I think there is a very individualistic element to to him as a person. And I don't think he's ever fully happy unless he's, he's, he's scored or at least assisted. Um but there was an, there's also an argument to say he was he was targeted by Burnley's physicality. I think they, they left a couple on him, um, which you don't like to see. I mean the the Tarkovsky tackle you call it a tackle, it's more like an assault. Um, you know, and if you're dishing out red cards like the one we saw at the weekend, that then that surely is a red. Um so maybe that's impacted him. I don't know. But there's just something about Richarlison at the minute. Uh, and you've you've just mentioned that I didn't know that Mick that he, he's apparently left early from the ground and you say that and you can well imagine it can't you it's not as if you go oh no that's that's a little bit out of character you can well imagine it with Richarlison he is sulky and I know we've seen this on and off for the past three or four years now but it is a little bit of a concern and you just you just I don't know does he need an arm round him does he need to be constantly told he's he's the man. Um, I was expecting big things from him last night because Calvert-Lewin was out, funnily enough, because we've all commented in the past that maybe he likes to be the focal point and the man up front playing centrally you know, with, with the opportunities, but it didn't quite happen for him again last night. And I think that's just caused him to be a little bit frustrated. But maybe it's just because he cares. Um, you know, He cares about his performance. He cares about his goal return. And he is, he's always been a streaky player with Charleston. He tends to scoring spurts so it wouldn't surprise me at all especially now with Calvert-Lewin unfortunately being out for what it, well, reportedly three or four weeks he's going to get the opportunity centrally um, so you know you'd expect chances to fall his way especially with the um, the service that we've just touched upon from Gray Townsend even Awobi 
you know, we, I don't want to fail to mention him. I think he's had a great start to the season. And I agree, I think he was pretty unlucky not to start the game last night. So he's going to get chances. He's just got to be patient. Um, but I, I'm with you. I'm a little bit concerned as to the body language in the last couple of games. Coming off at Brighton, off the pitch after the penalty incident. And then that last night. So let's just hope we're all reading into it a little bit too much. And uh, he bangs a couple in against Villa on Saturday. That'd be the perfect response. Mm, yeah, I, I agree, Lee. Jack, moving away from Richarlison, how pleasing was it for you? You know, Everton go three one up and it was then very comfortable, wasn't it? It wasn't a nervy finish like previous seasons. It wasn't then, you know, sit back. Everton continued to be on the front foot. They continued to press, could have and probably should have got a fourth. How impressed were you with Everton with the game management, like I say, once they got the lead? Yeah, really impressed. Um, Shown great character to come from behind again, just like they did against Southampton. Um, you know, that's got two home games, conceded first, come back to win both of them. And we all know on this podcast and every Everton fan knows that Everton do not do come from behind wins. They just do not do it. Um, but like you said, Mick, I think what was a, what was really great to see was they got 3-1 up, but they didn't sit back on that. There was the Gomez chance. There was the Decorey goal ruled out for offside. There was the Townsend shot that Pope made a great save. And it, it could have been four, five or six. Um, I, think, I think they just sensed a bit of blood. I think they just sensed Burnley were all over the place here and there was more goals to be had. And I think on another day, there would have been four, five scored. And I think, that's the really pleasing aspect from the start of this season. I think when Benitez came in, there was a lot of, I don't know if I'd say worries, but I think there was a little bit of um, apprehension about the style of play and is it going to be keep it tight, try and nick one. Well, scored three against Southampton. Away at Leeds, scored two. Let's be honest, on another day, could have easily scored three, maybe four, because Calvert-Lewin missed a couple of chances. Brighton scored two, probably could have got more, were just comfortable. Last night got three, could have been more. And, you know, if, if, if Everton keep up this sort of goals-to-game ratio, you know, two and a half a game they're averaging at the minute, if you get any... Now, I don't think for one minute they will, um, but even if you can average two goals a game, 76 goals in a league season, I'm telling you now, you won't be far off the top six with that. You should be right up there. Um, so really, really pleasing the goals, and and it's all sorts of goals which I really like. You know, it, we're not. It doesn't look like Everton are reliant on Calvert Lewin. Now I know Calvert Lewin. I think has got three, but Damari Gray's got three, and Richarlison's got one, and Decore's chipped in, and Townsend has chipped in, and M- Michael Keane has chipped in. Um, so it's great that there's you know five or six of them that can chip in with goals um, because I think. I think, you know, we have to be careful. I think in previous seasons, we have been a bit over-reliant on Richarlison and Calvert-Lewin. I know, you know, their job is to score the goals, but if you can get some goals from out wide and from midfield, it doesn't half help. Um, but yeah, really, really pleasing with the character shown in both home games so far. Okay, guys, before we move on to pre-match Aston Villa, I just want your man of the match from the game. Again, on social media, there's been a lot of to and throwing. No one really clear-cut man of the match from last night's win over Burnley. So I'll start with yourself, Ben. Who was your man of the match? Do you know what's so refreshing to see this year, Mick, is that you could pick any name of about five or six and you'd be hard to disagree with. 
because the likes of Alan, Decore, um, Damari Gray, Townsend, um, we're all brilliant, all absolutely superb. But for me, I'm going to give it to the man with the cannon for a left foot. For Andros Townsend, and that quick space of 10 minutes changed the game for us. And how can you not give it to him with that goal last night? It was sublime. Mm. Lee, what are your, who was your man of the match from last night? Yeah, I agree. It's a tough one. And I agree with Ben. I think you could, you could make a case for a lot of them, maybe aside from Luca Dean and Michael Keane, who I thought, I agree, were not great. Um, Alan, for me, uh, he just kept catching, catching my eye, especially in the second half. It, you know what, you remember that, um, what was it called, player camp that they used to do on Sky, where it used to just follow one player around the pitch. If you were to do that with Alan and just watch the way he gets through some of the, you know, the, the stuff that goes unnoticed, you know, the hard yards, as Borley often says, he just didn't stop and he looks so fit. Um, and he's, he must be such an annoying player to play against. And I just thought he was absolutely outstanding and he's pivotal to the start we've made. Um, I just think he's he's a top player. He looks every inch of the play we thought we were getting from Napoli and, and it and looked like in the early stages last season. So I just think, well done, Alan. I think he deserves my man of the match for last night. Jack, who is your man of the match? I think I know who you're going to say, but go on, go ahead anyway. Well, to keep it interesting, I'll, I'll go for someone different. I, you know, I'll be honest, I think you've probably got to give it to Andros Townsend, you know, Big moments change games. He created the first, he scored the second and he was involved in the third. But I'd give it to Decore. I just think he, you know, I know the boys say it quite a lot on here. He's just been a monster, I think. Um, I'd hate to play against Decore. I think going forward, we're, we're seeing another side to him, which is great. Um, he doesn't stop, you know, does he? He's. I just love him. It, I just, it, you know, I look at Decore and you just think... Oh, Four or five years ago, if Everton could have found him, you know, um, I just thought he was unbelievable. He sets the tone with his pressing, you know, his athleticism. Um, he is absolutely key for Everton moving forward this season. He has got to stay fit and he's got to play all 38 games in my mind because he is that good. Mm. So moving away from... Everton v Burnley. We'll take the three points. 10 points from 12. Fantastic start. Jack, I'm going to stick with you here. Everton face a, a difficult trip to Villa Park on Saturday. 5.30 kickoff against Aston Villa. We're just going to take a quick look at Aston Villa. They, they've started the season a little bit indifferently, Jack. They've they lost first game of the season away to Watford 3-2. They then beat Newcastle at home 2-0. They then drawn at home to Brentford 1-1. And then the weekend just gone, they were on the end of a 3-0 hammering at Chelsea. And it could have been more. So a bit of an indifferent start from Aston Villa. They'd no longer have their talisman in Jack Grealish, obviously. Do you think this is a game, and, I, and I'm going to come to Lee as well after this one, because I think Lee will have a lot to say. Do you think this is a game where Everton can go to Villa Park and think, yeah, there is three points here for us? Absolutely. I don't think there's anything to fear from Aston Villa. Um I think I think they're a, they're a good team. They've got some good players. Um, I watched them a little bit against Chelsea, and, and I'll I'll be honest with you, Mick. I, I thought they they played some decent football at times against Chelsea. Um, me personally, you know, and it's all about opinions. I think three 0 flattered Chelsea a little bit. I thought Villa did all right, um, but they were not great against Watford. You know, like you said, they drew at home to Brentford. They beat Newcastle. No disrespect to Newcastle, it's it's not a great barometer 
of where you're at if you beat Newcastle at home, because obviously Newcastle are struggling a little bit at the minute. Um, but I wouldn't be going there fearing Aston Villa. Absolutely not. I think if Benitez gets the right setup, um, let Villa have a bit of the ball, hit them on the counter. I think there's three points to be had there, without a doubt. In saying that, if Everton get a point, would I walk away disappointed? No, probably not. I think it's a solid point. Um, I, I do feel the three points at Villa are more achievable than they would be when Everton played against Leeds because Everton had the whole occasion with Leeds, you know, 15, 20 years, whatever it was, not playing a Premier League game. Um, it was always going to be a tough one. I think every Everton fan were happy, was happy with the point. But I think, you know, I, I look at Villa and I just think teams that Everton are going to be up against this year, Spurs, Leicester, West Ham maybe, I think those sorts of clubs will go to Villa and think, yeah, we, we can pinch all three points here. So I think Everton have got to go there positive and go there to take the win. Lee, I think I know what you're going to say, judging by what Jack's just said as well. What are your thoughts on Aston Villa on Saturday? Do you agree with Jack that it's a game Everton should go there and think, yeah, with aspirations at least to get three points, but if we take a point, we'll be quite content with that? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Um, there's, um, there's a difference between fear and respect. We, we've got to respect Aston Villa because they're a decent side and on the day, they can be very good. But like you've said, they've made a a really indifferent start. I don't think there's anything that we should be fearing about Aston Villa, apart from, let me just add, Danny Ings, because, um, you know, that, that fella gives me nightmares. But if we can sort of stay switched on at the back, um, we, are, we are more than capable of going away to Villa Park and picking up three points. Uh, let's just ask the question, would, would any of us be surprised if we're going to be sat here on Sunday evening or whatever, talking about another win? Absolutely not. You know, it's not going to be the shock of the century of Everton go and pick three points up against Aston Villa. Um, like, like I think that's a great point Jack just made there. I think the wind will have been taken out of their sails slightly, um, given the start that they've made. They've just been hammered at Chelsea. They drew the last home game against Brentford, like he said. So Villa fans are also a little bit like us, I have to say. I think when, when things aren't going the way, they can get go against the side and, and the, the atmosphere can become a little bit difficult for a home player. So if we can start the game well, first 20 minutes, take away any sort of good feeling or momentum from Aston Villa, absorb what they've got and then use our strengths and hit them on the counter-attack, then I, I strongly believe that we could be coming home with three points on Saturday. I, I'm, I'm fairly confident, to be fair. Ben, it, it's brilliant, isn't it, to be heading into a game like this on Saturday away to Aston Villa with, with almost the pressure off a little bit. You know, when you when we win away at Brighton, you think, you know what, Everton, you need to back it up now at home against Burnley. And we have backed it up. And like what Jack and Lee have both just touched on, if we do then go to Villa and get a point, it's not a negative approach. If we just do go get a point, it's not a bad point, isn't it, just because of the fact of our last couple of wins. So the pressure is, is off the players a little bit with this one, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, 100%. It's A point wouldn't be a bad result, but let's go there and try and take three because, like Jack touched on earlier on the podcast, we're now a side that could potentially be ruthless away from home. And I feel like Villa, let, let's get it right, in the summer, we were, I was a bit jealous of Villa's recruitment that they brought in, brought in some top, top players, Brendia, Leon Bailey, Danny Ings, um, a few other good acquisitions that they made along the way as well. So, 
you look at them and go, they're going to have a really good go this season. Obviously, losing Jack Grealish was absolutely huge for them. But the, I feel like Dean Smith doesn't... It's kind of like when Everton sold Lukaku and we bought loads of players and we were changing formations. No one really had a clue what was going on. I think they've played a 4-4-2, a 5-3-2, a 4-3-3. They've played different formations in every game. So they're definitely a team that are in transition, trying to find the right eleven to obviously get some victories under the belt because they've had pretty underwhelming starts as well. There's four points they've picked up, beating Newcastle and drawn with Brentford at home. So they've had a few iffy results here and there. But look, Everton can go there and we can say, come on, lads, come on to us because we're going to break at 100 mile an hour because we're more than capable of. So it's going to be interesting to see how we set up. I think Calvert-Lewin being out a massive miss, I feel like he offers a dimension that not many other players bring to the parties. Athletic, agile, physical, and a real nuisance for defenders. Now it's up to Richarlison to stand tall and hopefully do the grafting and the hard work. Because he did work hard last night with Charleston. I felt a bit sorry for him because he ran into the ground and he was going up against Tarkovsky and Ben Mew at Sorry Air. The, the fellow who obviously listens into the podcast will probably go mad about me pronunciation of Tarkovsky and I'll just give him a little shout out there. But it's, um, no, he was getting hit hard by their centre-halves. Very physical, very aggressive. So he, he performed very well and he's going to get it against Tyrone Mings. Again, he, he's another yard dog, isn't he? He's going to go right into the back of him at every opportunity. Um, obviously, they got Conta as well at the back, who's a, a really good centre-half. So it's going to be a difficult game. Uh, a really, really difficult and interesting game. And hopefully Rafael Benitez goes there with the um, the tactical background behind him. They're working hard this week. Be interesting, we stick with five at the back. Do we go 4-4-2 or 4-3-3? And look, I'm happy to go with anything because at least we're trying to tinker things. And if it's not working, I know he's going to proactively change it when it's not working, which is good. And that's it's nice having a bit of confidence in your manager. Um, and if we can go away and get three points there, wow, what a start. We don't want to get carried away because it happens quite often with Everton fans, but let's just take one game at a time. Let's get on, get to Villa. Let's try and get three points. But look, if you play well and get a point, it's one of them. But let's try and get the three points under our belts. And here we go, guys. It's that time again. It is prediction time. Aston Villa v Everton, a 5.30 kickoff on Saturday. Jack, I'm going to come to you first. What is your prediction? Positivity, I'm going to go 2-0 Everton. I think the game will play out similar to Brighton. I think they'll have quite a bit of the ball. I think we'll keep them at arm's length. And when the opportunities arise, I think we'll punish them. Um, and I don't want to get ahead of myself, but, you know, win on Saturday, nine <laughs> points clear of Villa already. You know, it, it, it's a good little gap to be opening up early doors on a team that at the start of the season, a lot of people said, would be competing with Everton. So, yeah, 2-0. No, fair point that, fair point. Uh, Lee, what's your prediction? Uh, I'm going to go 1-0 um, and I'm going to go with Richarlison to get it. I think um, all this frustration is going to come out in the right way and I think we're going to get another brilliant away win, 1-0. And Ben? I don't think there's any points asking me and never get one right. I think I've got one right all year. But, um, right, I'm going to go 1-1. Uh, I think it's been a very difficult game. I think we're going to go 1-0 up, but I think we probably will concede. Um, so I'm going to go 1-1. Mm, yeah, and I'm going to join you there, mate. I'm going to go 1-1 as well. I think we'll score, but I also do think we will concede because we normally do. Anyway, 
10 points from 12. We roll on to Villa Park on Saturday. In the meantime, why not buy a ticket for the Big Blue Christmas event on December the 16th? If you haven't seen our social media over the last couple of weeks, it, tickets are now available and we only have 29 tickets left. Ticket sales have far exceeded expectations. And again, you can buy tickets from our Twitter page at The Bullins View. If not, please go to www.thebullinsview.co.uk with all the information, all the pricing, with proceeds going to the Liverpool Food Banks for Christmas to try and put some Christmas meals on the tables for the less fortunate. We'd love to see you there. And like I say, only 29 tickets at the moment. And that's as, as it stands at the moment. 29 tickets, over 150 sold. It's going to be a great night. Peter Reid, Kevin Sheedy, James Vaughan. And yours truly, Mick Kemp, Lee McLean, Ben Winstanley, Jack Kemp, Michael Ball, and the list goes on. It's going to be a fantastic night at the Beer Keller. And like I say, we would love, love to see you there. And that's all we've got time for. We will be back Sunday with all the fallout, all the analysis and match reaction from Aston Villa versus Everton. Hopefully, hopefully, it's another three points on the road. In the meantime, stay safe, take care, and we'll see you Sunday. All the very best. <laughs>